Good morning, Franklin Community Church. It is always a blessing to be here worshiping with you all on uh, Sunday mornings. Last week, we, uh, we concluded our, I think, 12 or 13 week series on 1 John, and it was, it was really good. Um, the whole book told us of the truth that God has shown his love for us by sending his son Jesus, who lived among us, taught us of the kingdom of God, called us to repentance, demonstrated the power of the kingdom through miraculous acts, and ultimately, though he did nothing wrong, gave his life as a sacrifice for us, for our sins. So that for us, for those of us in Christ, we are no longer uh, held responsible to the consequences of sin, namely death, which is uh, separation from God, but we have new life in Christ. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, so now in Christ, we also uh, experience that same power, the same resurrection power. And this new life is a life of hope and joy and peace and a life that grows to look more like Jesus through sacrificially giving of ourselves to meet the needs of others, right? That's what Jesus did. Sacrificially gave of himself to meet the need, our highest need. Um, and so we, we follow in that likeness. So this is, this is the gospel message, right? We just spent 13 weeks talking about the gospel message. And one, one of the things that kept occurring to me throughout it uh, was, remember, John's writing this letter to uh, one of the early churches, and it's a specific faith context dealing with a particular issue. If you remember, they were talking, uh, John was countering the, the Gnostic uh, idea, which is like, hey, it doesn't matter what you do in the flesh. As long as, you, as, long as your mind is renewed, the, the natural things are going to pass away. What you do in your body doesn't matter. You can be living in sexual immorality. It doesn't matter how much alcohol you have. Uh, it doesn't matter that you're living worldly, lust-filled, prideful lives. Uh, because in the end, it doesn't matter. What, what's, what's, our, what's in our bodies is going gonna, is gonna to pass away. And John is like, no, that's not it. That's not it. Um, if you're cool with sinning, you misunderstand the saving power of Jesus. So, so John says salvation isn't just an intellectual, a, a cognitive um, acknowledgement, but it's faith. It's receiving the grace of God and then actively pursuing righteousness in, in our minds, in our wills, in our emotions, um, in our actions. I love the way Tim Keller puts it. He says that the gospel is that we are saved through Christ alone, by faith alone, but not by faith which remains alone. James says it this way. James says, faith without works is dead. So putting your faith in Jesus transforms every area of life. Your relationships, how you spend your time, how you spend your money, how you speak, your vision, your understanding of work, about life, about death, uh, even about things like technology and beauty. It transforms how we understand it and how we engage with these things. And um, so just as John wrote his letter to a, uh, a particular context dealing with a particular issue, we're, we're a particular context. And we need to understand how the gospel interacts with these different uh, facets of life, right? And so 
Usually that's the, the application time of the, of the sermon. Um, but for the next few weeks, we are going to contextualize. We are going to take big picture topics like money and work and relationships and aging and technology and time and music. And we are going to explore how the gospel message shapes our understanding of these things. Uh, the series is called Timeless Wisdom. Timeless Wisdom. And, and this morning I'm, I'm preaching about timeless wisdom about music and how we can engage with music. Um, in Christ, every area of life is, is sanctified and purified and, and ultimately glorified. So we want to dig through Scripture and see what, is it, what does it say about music or what does it say about relationships? What does it say about words? And, and how, do we, how do we live out our faith in, in these particular areas? Uh, scripture talks about living in the world, but not of it. This is the question. How do we engage with music? How do we live in the world where, where we're surrounded by music, but not be like the world? How do we find balance to enjoy the gifts of God, like resources, like time, um, like relationships, but not overindulge in them so that they harm us? What are the boundaries? It is my prayer that this series helps us understand the gravity and, and far-reaching nature of the gospel, uh, and that it will lead us to deeper worship because of the truth that our salvation is not just something that we celebrate on Sunday morning, but is something that really ripples through every facet of life. So with that, with that in mind, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll get into it. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the uh, life, death, teachings, uh, miracles, the resurrection of Jesus. Lord, thank you for this hope that we have. Not, not the hope of something that we want to happen, but we're unsure of, but, but the hope that, get, that, that is confident assurance in you that changes how we live our day-to-day -day life and lives. And um, Lord, I pray that you use this time to grow our hearts for you, grow our, our minds and our wills and our, our passions, our affections. Help us be conformed to look more like your son. Lord, I pray that your word speaks now, that, that we would see how your word talks about music and that we, would, um, that, that we would form our understanding, not around what culture says, but around what you say. So, Lord, I pray for wisdom this morning. Um, Lord, we love you, and we pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So, like I said, this morning we're going we're gonna to look at music, right? In this age, music is all around. Apps like Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube make music available 24-7 and uh, cheap. Devices like car radios, CD players, Bluetooth speakers, phones, computers, tablets, watches, headphones, earbuds, they, they give us speakers wherever we go. For artists, creating and recording music is, is uh much more accessible and affordable. Uh, how many of you are Apple users? Okay, I figured about half of you. Every Apple device comes with GarageBand where you can take their uh, preloaded samples, their automatic instruments, their tones, and you can create music, whether you're a musician or not. It's, it's actually really, really incredible. And once you've created that music, you can put it on Reverb Nation or SoundCloud or YouTube or any form of social media to get it out there so people can hear it. Um, learning to play is also a lot easier too. 
with YouTube and Instagram and Facebook Live. You can watch live performances. You can hear musical commentary. You can watch tutorial videos um, from hundreds or, or thousands of teachers. A few weeks back, I was learning some uh, guitar jazz chords and scales on YouTube. I don't, I don't know any jazz guitarists in the area, but I could learn some stuff on YouTube. Um, and then a couple days ago, I was watching uh, a video of one of my favorite guitarists, John Mayer, talk about the gear he uses and demonstrate some different guitar licks. And it's just everything is so accessible. It's incredible. Um, on Tuesday, I was teaching piano, and one of my students was like, hey, check out this app. There's this app called Chordify, where, uh, write this down if you're interested in learning music. You can pick any song, and it will tell you the chords of that song, and it will show you where to put your hands on the piano to play that song. So he was like, he was learning Toto, uh, Hold the Line, which is a great song. So, um, love Toto. Anyway, so I was really, I was really blown away by the technology of this. Um, for many of us, music is in our cars, right? It's in our gyms. It's with us while we work, while we do homework. It's the background in our houses while we eat, while we clean, or while we mow our lawns. It's with us as we play. It, it helps us feel. It helps us mourn. It helps us celebrate. It helps us express. It helps us concentrate and focus. It helps us worship. Uh, for some, it, it even helps us sleep. It's full of utility. It's full of beauty. It's full of emotion and passion. It moves us. Frederick Nietzsche says that uh, without music, life would be a mistake. And because it's such a powerful thing that we need to build out a theological framework, how do we engage with it? How do we interact with it? Is it okay for Christians to listen to music? All music? Should we set boundaries, limitations? I believe there can be tension, like I said earlier. There's so much music out, of the, out there. It's, it's, a lot of it's full of beauty in life, and a lot of it's full of just the opposite. What do we do when we enjoy a song, but it isn't about Jesus? Uh, perhaps it's glorifying something other than God, but we really like the melody or we like the beat. We like the guitar part. Should Christians be limited to just Christian music? Um, what about music that isn't about God or the Christian life, but is made by a Christian artist? Or what about music that has no lyrics? Is that okay? Um, are there particular instruments or genres that are off limits? How does music contribute or diminish from our spiritual formation? Or is it neutral? <laughs> if we're serious about growing in our Christ-likeness, these are, these are questions that are good to be asking. So the obvious place to start is with Scripture, right? So um, in my study, I, I looked up words like music. I looked up words like song and singing, and I, I studied how they were used, when they were used, where they were used, the context in which they were used. Um, I looked at how scripture talked about instruments and melodies and the purpose of music, and, and I prayed through it, God, help us, help us understand, um, help us understand your, your heart for music. So the way that this sermon is organized here is first we're going to talk about the goodness of music, and then we're going to talk about some of, the, some of the dangers of music as well. And then um, as we're drawing out these principles, we're going to talk about how music, um, some principles of how to interact with music uh, on Sunday morning as we gather together and also throughout our week. Um, 
So the first, the first point here is that music is a good gift. Um, there are two, two reasons why I say it's a, a, a good gift. The first one is that it is, um, it's used and commanded in Scripture. Um, it's celebrated. It's practiced in Scripture. Uh, it show, actually shows up on the scene pretty early. Does anybody know the first reference to music in, in Bible? Here's the million-dollar trivia question. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, very good. Um, Jubal. Yes, Jubal. Jubal in Genesis chapter 4 is the first reference to music. It says that he is the, uh, the, the father of all who played stringed instruments and pipes. Um, that's pretty early on. I think he's the, the third or fourth great grandchild of, of Adam and Eve. Um, but in, in Scripture, songs are sung to, to say farewell. We see in Genesis 31, songs are sung to welcome people home in Judges 11 while people are working after a war victory, we see that with um, the Israelites conquering Pharaoh, or, uh, uh, being freed from Pharaoh in Exodus 15, after David conquers the Philistines um, with, with Deborah and, and the judges and Samson. Um, we see it during times of lament. We see David use song after, uh, he's, as he's lamenting the death of Saul and Jonathan. Um, there's even one place in Scripture, this was really, really interesting to me, uh, in 1 Samuel 16, where King Saul is being tormented by an evil spirit, and one of his attendants says, hey, find somebody who can play music, and that way when they come and they play, the evil spirit will leave you and you'll have relief. And um, so that's when they found David, and David, of course, played the, the lyre, the harp, and um, it says that David would take up his lyre and play, then relief would come to Saul, to Saul, and he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. What's incredible to me about that is he's, it, doesn't, it doesn't say that he's singing. He's just playing. He's playing beautiful music, and the evil spirit leaves. It's all over the place. Uh, in the New Testament, we see the apostles singing while in prison, lifting their spirits, I imagine. We see Jesus, Jesus singing. Did you catch that little line? Uh, at the Last Supper, when they gather together, and then they sing a hymn together, and then he goes, he goes away into the garden. It's in uh, Matthew 26 and Mark 14. And uh, Paul commands it. Ephesians 5 uh, says, Don't be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make glad music from your heart to the Lord. Colossians 3, once again, he says, let the, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Now, as a musician, this made me really happy. This was a fun, this was a sermon to prepare for because uh, music is scriptural and music is good. God's people sing, they, they celebrate, they remember what God has done through song. Jesus sang, the apostles sang, David, the man after God's own heart, sang. Actually, uh, think about this. David, the man after God's own heart, was like the chief musician in Scripture and the author of like over 70 hymns. The people sang and danced and celebrated using music. They, they mourned with music. 
And we need, we need to start here um, because at times, uh, in our desire to not want to look like the world, we can forsake, I believe, some of the, the good gifts from God. We can and should enjoy music. We should create music. We should cherish music. We should gather together to celebrate with music and, and mourn with music. Music is good. The, the second reason I can say that music is good is because I believe in its essence, it reflects the character of God. What do I mean by this? So, so God is the creator. God created this world with the glorious possibility to make music. Um, music is uh, comprised of, of four things in its, in its essence. Melody, harmony, um, timbre, which is the, the different unique tones um, that an instrument will make, and rhythm. Um, so if I sing like a C and I play a C, um, a C on the piano, it will sound different. That's, that's timbre. Right? So it's the same frequency, it's, it's the same um, frequency, but it's a different noise, it's a different timbre, different tone. So when God created the world, all the mathematics and physics, he, cr he created it with the possibility of making music. Looking at these one, one at a time, not only did he create the, the, the um, physics for different frequencies to be made, but he designed our ears to pick up those, those differences to hear melody. And he engineered our ears to be able to hear more than one of those at a time. Right? Melody is layered on top of each other, that's harmony. And uh, this is beautiful, he created it to, to um, be able to hear the uniqueness of the tone of the instrument. That's why like a, a horn will sound different than a woodwind or a string, it's timbre. And he created noise and he created space. And when you've got noise and space alternated, right? Noise, space, noise, space, noise, space, noise, space, noise. You got rhythm, right? And these things together make music. Each of these is a gift. And, and more than this, he created beauty. And he created excellence. And he created us with the capacity to recognize and find enjoyment and these particular things. So I think that music, in its essence, can point us to, to God. When, when you hear a piece of music, the artist is using the tools that God has given us to express themselves and create something new, something that didn't exist before. Scripture says that we are image bearers of Christ, right? In Genesis 1.27. So the act of creation, the act of self-expression, art is living into that uh, imago dei, that image-bearing nature. Um, so being created in the image of God means Christian or not. Humans have received some, some capacity to, to have this godlikeness just by being human. And music, I believe, brings that out. It allows artists to live into their, their created nature of, of being made in the image of God. Um, one, one other way in which music in its essence can point us to God when a band plays, each, each musician has its own role, their own instrument, their own part with its own timbre and volume, right? And yet it's unified with the rest of the band. Think of a symphony or think of a jazz band, right? Each, each person is playing their own part. 
Um, yet it's contributing to the whole. The strings and the horns and the woodwinds and the percussions, I, this I also think reflects the nature of our God who is a trinity. Three parts, distinct, particular, yet unified in nature and in will. So in God, like in a lot of music, there's this diversity and particularity, yet there's, yet there's unity. And, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, I'm going to mispronounce his name. Uh, Kurt Vonnegut. Am I saying that right? Kurt Vonnegut. Okay. Um, the, the author said, uh, and he, he's not a Christian. He's a humanist. He says, if I should ever die, God forbid, let this be my epitaph. The only proof he needed for the existence of God was music. There's something innate about music that's good. It reflects the character of God. Um, this is why it's so popular. This is, this is why there's people making a ton of money. It's a huge industry because there's something in it that makes us feel. It leads us to, to new places. Um, so a quick side note here. In, in my study, I, I didn't find that particular genres or instruments should be ruled out or deemed unholy. Um, in fact, the, the passage that Gwen read um, talked about using stringed instruments. Did you catch that? The harp and the lyre. It talked about using um, horned instruments. Uh, it talked about using um, percussion instruments and woodwind instruments, uh, flutes. And so, um, you know, I know that in the past there's been debates. Well, should drums be used? Should, you know, it's, it's talking about worshiping God with symbols. It's talking about that. So, um, I, I didn't see anything that, that should say that it should be ruled out. As far as genres go, um, some of the hymns were actually written to popular uh, pop tunes of the day. So Psalm 45 and 69 were written to the tune of the lilies. And that, scholars and historians think that that was a, that was a pop song of the day. Um, same thing with Psalm 22. This says in its, in its uh, subheading, Hind the Dawn, which is what scholars think is a, is a pop song of the day. So music is a good gift. It should be enjoyed, right? We can, we can enjoy this. Uh, we're free to enjoy the beauty and the creativity of music. Now, the, the, the second part of this is really important as well. Uh, we have to be aware of abusing the gift. Um, it's scriptural. It reflects the goodness of God. But that doesn't mean that all music is good to listen to, right? doesn't mean that the gift is bad. It just means that it can be used, used for bad. Um, a couple years ago, Abby got me this pen for Valentine's Day. It's a beautiful fountain pen. And um, it's got my name on it. It's engraved. Probably can't see it from there. But anyway, it's beautiful. Isn't that nice? And um, it's a good gift. But it can be used for bad, right? I mean, with this, I can write thank you notes, I can write checks, I can write poetry, I can write notes to Abby, um, but I can also use it for evil, right? I can write slanderous things. I can um, write threats or curses. I could probably stab somebody with it too, right? All those would be misuses of this good gift. <laughs> 
So what is it that makes the, good, the gift good or, or what is it that, that makes it bad? I think it's what it's glorifying. Is, is the music directing us to God or is it directing us to, to something less? Um, you know, obviously music is a powerful thing. It can lead us. It can lead our emotions. It can change our hearts. And so there can be times when destructive messages get packaged in a really nice melody or a really good beat. Um, and, and we need to be aware of that. So I, I, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking Satan, Satan usually uses four, four tactics um, to, to turn our focus away from, from God. And I think that we can see each of these in music. So the first one is to distract. So he distracts us, he deceives us, he discourages us, and he divides us. Um, music is a meditation, right? If we fill our minds with it, it can change us. So it can lead us to worship the wrong things. It can, it can preach truths uh, that aren't really true. I, look, I looked at Billboard's top 10 songs right now. And what's really interesting to me, first of all, is that they're all about relationships. Uh, all of them. They were all about relationships, um, which is a good thing, right? Relationships are a good thing. But, but a lot of them were, most of them were very heavily sexualized. And so what that has done is it's taken a good gift and what overly, overtly sexual music can do is it, it, it can pollute us and get us to think about things in context that aren't, that aren't godly. And uh, a couple of them were about breakups. Um, I don't think that relationships are, are bad, right? Um, in fact, one of my favorite songs is a song called Love Like This by Ben Rector. Um, and he's, I, I don't believe, he's not a Christian artist. Um, I don't know what he believes. But it's a song about um, after he and his wife had their first child. And that his heart was expanded. He was feeling new love for this child that he had never felt before. He didn't know existed in it. And uh, I, I love that because it's glorifying. It's enjoying something that's natural, that's a gift, and he's celebrating that gift. And uh, so that, that secular song can actually point, I think, can point me to appreciate God and the, the gift of, of family. Um, one of the, the, okay, so the second one, the second one is deception. So when we listen to these songs over and over again, we do internalize them. Uh, people say you are what you eat, right? Why, why is that? Because you, what you put into your body becomes a part of you. And, and I, I think the same thing is true with what we put into our bodies through our eyes and through our ears. Um, so how will bad mu music deceive you? It, it, it exalts the wrong things. Um, the last verse of First John is keep yourselves from idols, right? Pastor Dan mentioned that last week. It's kind of, kind of awkward to have it as the last verse. But oftentimes these things, what they're elevating, the bad music is elevating the self. It's, it's idolizing ourselves. And um, how through, through objectifying others to get what we want um, or using, using drugs, you know, worshiping. What was really interesting to me is that um, the top 10 were really filled with a lot of drug use, <laughs> which is, I don't know, interesting. Um, Psalm, Psalm 84, 11 says, for the Lord God is a shield and a sun. Um, 
The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who seek to walk uprightly. Psalm 34, 10 says, They who seek the Lord shall not be in any want, uh, will not be in want of any good thing. These, these songs can teach us that God is holding out on us, that we need to want these things outside of the, the context or the way that God has deemed them right. And that can lead us to the third one, which is discouragement. Um, so, of course, poverty is an issue worldwide, right? But many of us feel like we're impoverished, even though we aren't. Why? Because we've, le- we've believed this narrative, this lie that culture has told us um, that we don't have enough, right? Consumerism is the air that we breathe, right? You need this. You need this. If you have this, your life will be holy. Your life will be whole. Um, and that can get us to focus rather on what we do have, the abundance that we have in, in God, and focus on our scarcity. And that can lead us to be discouraged, I don't know about you all, but when I, when I focus too much on, on money or something like that and feel, you know, whatever, it can lead me to feel worried or sick. I don't know. It, it's when we're basing our lifestyles off of the Kardashians or whatever culture is telling us, we're going to feel discouraged by that. And the, the truth of the gospel, salvation should lead us to feel encouraged, not discouraged. Um, and lastly, division. So Satan just loves it when his people get separated, doesn't he? Um, he loves it when Christians bicker and break the bonds of peace. And he especially loves it when it is a good gift from God that separates us. He wants us to get in fights about which songs we sing, which types of music, um, how many songs we sing, whether we do hymns or contemporary music. And uh, thankfully, thankfully, my, my sense is that this isn't really an issue that we are having at FCC. And I'm really thankful for that because I've heard of churches splitting because of uh, disagreements as to what style of music should be used. Um, you know, of course, we're all ears for feedback, but there's, there's a way to give feedback that doesn't break the bonds of peace. And so we, we should be more bound by the unity that we have than separated by the disagreements that we have. Ephesians 4.3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit to the bonds of peace. So we see the flow of this, right? Distract, deceive, discourage. He wants us to get our attention off of God. He wants to feed us with lies. And that lies will lead us to feel discouraged and not feel content and, and grateful for the life we have in Christ, but discouraged. And then to separate rather than going into community to be refined as iron sharpens iron, our, our pride and our arrogance gets in the way and we separate. And I think that music, music can, can play a, a piece in this, right? It can distract us. It can feed us with lies. It can discourage us. Okay, so we've, we've looked at how music is a good thing, right? It's grounded in scripture. It reflects the character of God. And we've seen that Satan loves to use good gifts and to twist them to distract, to deceive, to discourage, and to divide. So, so what do we do with this? Um, as I was thinking about what to do, I thought we'd break it into to two parts. Um, first, to talk about music kind of throughout our weeks 
and then to talk about the purpose of music and singing on Sunday morning. So the first, the first response to this, um, music throughout our weeks, we're talking about wisdom. And you know, each of us has the Holy Spirit in us. And I think God is going to build our convictions. Um, I couldn't help but think that there are, there are biblical principles here. But there's also, this is in the area of, of personal conviction. Um, what I mean is that we may land in different places. You may think that uh, you know, music reflects the, the beauty and the creativity of God, and so there's freedom to enjoy music, including some music that's labeled non-Christian. Or you may think that your diet should really only consist of Christian music. That's okay. It's okay um, for us to land on different, on different sides. I, I think that this is a secondary issue, meaning that um, our different convictions don't change our salvation status. Um, does it impact our spiritual lives? Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, just because we disagree doesn't mean that one of us isn't saved, right? It's, salvation is about Jesus and what he's done on the cross and grace. Um, so there's liberty. Shameless plug for the life groups. If you aren't in, in a life group, um, that's a great space to talk, to bounce ideas off of other believers, to hear other people's convictions. Why do you think this way? Why do you, why do you feel like you can listen to that kind of music or you feel like you can't listen to that kind of music? Um, you know, it's in the context of relationship that we can grow and that we can, we can learn. And I think it's really good to be thinking about these things and thinking about them in communities. Um, so ask, ask the Spirit for wisdom and ask God to give you godly convictions. And um, maybe that means dialing back your secular music intake because it isn't helping you be more like Christ. Or perhaps that means living into the freedom and enjoying particular genres that you haven't had freedom to enjoy in the past. The, the important thing is, is prudence here, thinking, okay, how is that music impacting me? Um, and th so the second part of this is consider the impact of the music you listen to. When asked what the greatest commandments were, what did Jesus say? What did he say? Love God. And love your neighbor, right? Love God and love others. Does the music you listen to help you love God and love others? Does it help you love God because of the way you see beauty and creativity? Or does it make you angry and depersonalize or objectify others? Is the music telling you lies about reality? Does it cause you to disconnect with others? Ask other believers what they think about a particular artist or song. Look at the lyrics together with a family member, a friend. Um, I, I mentioned uh, Ben Rector earlier. I, I really do love his music. Abby and I both. Um, he's got really good, it's beautiful music. And he, uh, he has a wife named Haley. And in his music, you see, you feel his love for his wife, and it's pure, and it's beautiful, and it's, it's great. And for me, I, I appreciate that. It helps me feel those same things for Abby and uh, appreciate Abby and fall more in love with Abby. I love this about his music. Um, there's definitely other music that, you know, 
does not give that same vibe, but there's something about his music that, for me, I really appreciate that. So for six days and 23 hours, we get to choose what we listen to, right? Then there's the one hour of the week that we gather together, and we sing a few songs, we listen to a sermon, sing another couple songs, and then uh, we go to our life groups or go home. So how does music fit into our Sunday morning liturgy? The way I put this, the first thing is, worship and music are actually not synonymous. Oftentimes we equate music and worship, but they aren't the same thing. Um, when Jesus was resurrected and the, and the women found him and they rushed and they fell at his knees and they bowed down and they worshiped him, they didn't fall down and bow down at his knees and start singing shout to the Lord, right? But they were admiring, they were admonishing, they were celebrating him. They were acting in humility as they were, as they were getting down and worshiping him at his feet. Same thing when Jesus told uh, the woman at the well in John 4 that one day they would worship in spirit and in truth. He wasn't necessarily talking about singing the, the right words in the right spirit. I think that's part of it for sure. Um, but I think more than that, it, it's, it's, it was about living a life in truth and the, the proper response, the, the response of worship in that. Worship is the interrelation between divine action or revelation and um, human response. Adoration, humility, submission, obedience. Um, looking at, at worship in scripture, it was usually equated with prayer. Worship was equated, equated with praise, thanksgiving, charity, confession, preaching and teaching, and the reading of scripture. And I've got all these references up here. Um, but though it's been changed, uh, the form of it, the heart has not, and it's about the heart posture. And so we see how music fits into this, right? Music can lead us into deeper worship as it helps set our hearts and our, and our focus on that. So the purpose of Sunday morning worship is to gather together and as a community, set our focus, set our hearts on God. And, and I, love, I love the songs that we sing, Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, God with us. Right, these songs, there's power in these songs to shape our, our hearts and our minds and our affections around them. We exalt God in community. Um, but this is, this is the last thing here. And um, this is that singing, singing, I think, can be a discipline. Um, sometimes, sometimes we gather here and we're really excited about it. The music's just perfect. We're feeling a connection with God. We're, we're feeling things. We're excited. Maybe we're in tears. Maybe we're laughing with joy because we're so excited. Um, but other times, if any of you are like me, it can, it can be hard. So I think, I think there's truth in this. Singing can be a discipline. Uh, you, saw, you saw Paul say, hey, sing with each other, with glad hearts and giving thanks to God, with hymns and psalms, sing. Um, so what do I mean by discipline? Just like prayer or reading scripture, just like those things are hard or, or fasting, they don't come easily, we practice them 
because they form us to be who we were created to be. One illustration is, is an athlete, right? The athlete doesn't necessarily always love going to practice. They don't always love working out, but they discipline themselves. They, they do it because they know that the, the result of that is greater than the momentary pain or struggle that they feel. So we intentionally have to work at it sometimes. Um, otherwise, we gather together on Sunday morning to celebrate what God has done. And before, you know, as the, as the first music set is coming to a, a conclusion, we realize, and my mind's in a different place. I've been thinking about the, the get-together that I still have to get the veggie tray for. Well, you know, whatever. It's just like, it's so easy to be distracted. And Satan really wants that. He wants us to not be focused and tuned into what's, what's going on Sunday morning. Um, so how can we participate with our full minds and our full hearts? Maybe that means closing our eyes during worship. Maybe it means focusing literally on the cross. Thinking, meditating. Maybe it means sitting down. Maybe it means raising your hands or clapping. Maybe that means just before you walk in to take a few deep breaths or prayer to say, God, help me. Help me tune into what you have this morning. I believe you have something for me, and I don't want to just go through the motions. I, I, I can feel so distracted sometimes. Even when I'm up here playing, it's like, Okay, I need to focus in on what's, what's going on. You know, not just one plan, but, but focus on that. Um, you, may, you may say, oh, Nate, but I'm not, I'm not a feeler. I'm not that kind of, I'm not the person who feels a lot of things. You aren't alone. Um, like I said, I struggle with it. I think, I think one thing to do is to take time to appreciate the arts and ask God to help expand our emotions. Pray that God would help. Use music to direct you to him in both lyrics and instrumentation. Growing your emotional response. Um, let, it, let it be a discipline. Perhaps work music into your, your daily rhythm. Uh, maybe take a hymnal or read poetry or read a psalm to start off your morning. Ask God to help make your heart more like his. Spiritual formation is not just of the intellect. It's not just of the will. It's also of the emotions. Jonathan Edwards wrote a book called... Um, religious affection about God helping form our emotions to look more like his. So beware of thinking that our formation is only of the, of the mind and will. God is in the business of making our hearts more like his. What music does is it forms us to look more like Christ. Uh, Jeremy Begbie is a great theologian that I would check out. He's a, concert pianist and a, a seminary professor and author and he has some really interesting insights on the interplay between music and theology and he says this he says to grow up into christ is to grow up emotionally as much as anything else and carefully chosen music and worship may have a larger part to play than we have yet imagined so this is the hope but it's also a process. So because music is a battleground of the soul, let's be prudent in listening to the song and in choosing which songs we listen to that help us grow and shape our emotions. Let us participate joyfully in corporate worship. Let music shape your heart around that which is most glorious, which is Jesus Christ and the hope we have in him. So let's, let's pray together and then 
Bonnie and Jeff and my dad will come up. Okay.